Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, we're in a market where global equities have hit a new 12-month high this week uh, following the resolution of the debt ceiling drama in the U.S., question facing many investors today, of course, is whether or not this rally in equity markets can indeed be sustained. To discuss this, today I'm joined by Steve Bryce. Uh, what we'll talk about is, in addition, of course, to that main topic about the equity rally, we'll also discuss whether it is too late to buy Japanese equities, uh, what are the implications of easing policy in China and what that might mean for Asia dollar bonds, and of course, the outlook for the Australian and Canadian dollars following some recent monetary policy surprises there. So to kick right off, Steve, uh, developed market equities, they've really led the equity market recovery this year. Uh, do you believe that's likely to continue? Okay, maybe, maybe let's uh, focus on the US because I think that's obviously the center of, of where people are looking today. So drivers of recent strong performance include two things, basically the artificial intelligence related technology sector mania that we're seeing. Uh, and obviously, the still sizable underweight positioning evident in broad equity markets as investors hunkered down for a likely recession in the US. So I think just before we sort of get into whether those factors are likely to continue, it's really interesting um, to see where we are technically at the moment with the S&P 500 index a whisker away from the August 2022 high of 43.25. So now, of course, it's possible that the same drivers I've mentioned already could push us through this level in the near term. However, we still think that we're getting closer to the long-awaited U.S. recession. Now, in the past week, if anything, weaker than expected ISM services data uh, suggests that the main support for the ongoing U.S. expansion is actually decelerating. And also on the labor market side, we saw a job a jump in the jobless rate to 3.7% which is another red flag to our recession um, indicator checklist. Um, so therefore, you know, it, it's always important to have an allocation to equities, of course, because nobody knows with any surety what's going to happen. Um, but uh, we would be lightening exposure into this rally as we still head towards that recession. Uh, thanks, Steve. I, I suppose that's a somewhat pessimistic outlook, but what would make you more optimistic about the outlook uh, if we take sort of a six to 12 month view? Yeah, there's three things, I guess. So first is what we'd call immaculate disinflation. And this is basically a rapid decline in DM inflation towards central bank targets this year without a sharp rise in jobless rates uh, going forward. So now we believe this is a very narrow window for this scenario to play out. Leading indicators of the job market, uh, including the rate at which workers are quitting and the rise in jo permanent job losers, uh, this is pointing to a deteriorating US job market. So this looks unlikely to us. The second thing would be central banks ease up on in their inflation fight. Um, you know, if they were sort of become more tolerant of inflation, that would be bullish for stocks um, and negative for bonds. But really, at the moment, not seeing any signals uh, that that is indeed the case. And if anything, recent weeks, we've seen the reverse. So people, markets have reduced their expectations for rate cuts in the US and increased, uh, actually priced in another rate hike by July. Uh, the ECB clearly remains uh, committed to further rate hikes, despite a technical recession being confirmed in the past week. And the RBA and Bank of Canada um, surprised markets with rate hikes this week with more um, seemingly to come. So this suggests that central banks are still very focused on fighting inflation 
rather than worrying about growth so much. And the third thing would be a, a, an AI-driven CapEx-led expansion. So this is a new narrative for Bulls in the past few weeks. It's sort of reminiscent of the internet mania of the late 1990s. The hope, of course, is that an AI revolution will trigger large-scale corporate spending on technology, boost productivity, reduce inflationary pressures materially, and lengthen the economic cycle. However, I guess you know those are really important longer-term factors, but our view is that that's likely to take years to play out, uh, and therefore we're still in an environment where uh, you know we, we still have that recessionary risk as a, as a primary feature um, of our thinking. Okay, so maybe let's focus a little bit more on regional markets. I mean, we turned more constructive on Japanese equities, but but given the rebound, is it too late for investors to be adding to Japanese equities today? So I, I guess it's a valid question given the strong rally of Japanese equities uh, year to date. I mean, we, we clearly obviously are more constructive and believe the region is still likely to outperform um, global equities over the next six to 12 months. Uh, from our perspective, the rise in Japanese equities is, is not stretched yet. So our uh, di- market diversity indicator is not really flashing any warning signs. Neither is the relative strength index, which basically is a, an indicator of price momentum. That's not far from overbought territory. So therefore, any pullback in the topics index to you know, 2180 or 2200, uh, we would believe that would be a, a good opportunity to add. And from a fundamental perspective, we still expect strong, uh, stronger corporate governance and, and uh, high corporate bank, uh, buybacks, equity buybacks to be supportive uh, of the market, offsetting the negative impact of a strengthening yen. So, uh, And finally, you know, valuations generally don't drive shorter term um, shorter term market performance, but they remain attractive. So the PE multiple of the uh, MSCI Japan index is still trading at an 8% discount to global equities. So we still believe that the Japanese market has some legs from here. Okay, and then moving to China next, uh, there's been quite a bit of discussion about uh, you know the potential for more supportive policy measures given what we've seen from growth data. Uh, do you see any any significant implications of that on Asia dollar bonds? Yes, yeah, so I guess there's a couple of things that people are looking at here, right? So the, the PBB, PBOC has asked the big banks to lower deposit rates, and that could obviously be a precursor to a policy rate cut. Uh, there's also reports of policymakers uh, mulling further property support uh, measures. Uh, now, in our view, both are theoretically positive for Asia-US dollar bonds, especially given that Chinese issuers can constitute around 50% of the index Uh, And many ASEAN corporate revenues are obviously sensitive to growth in China as well. Having said that, we would reiterate our preference for Asia investment grade bonds over high yield bonds. Um, Now, the initial details of the property support package, which would really be more important for the high yield sector, is likely to just be an extension of the 16 point package, which was announced last year. Um, So, this, together with the slowing of global growth, means we see a much more attractive risk-reward trade-off for the higher-quality investment-grade bonds rather than the high-yield bonds. And finally, moving over to Australia and Canada. I mean, we had the Reserve Bank of Australia and Bank of Canada uh, surprise markets uh, by raising policy rates. Uh, do you expect these policy measures to boost the Australian dollar and, and the Canadian dollar? Yeah, as you said, both uh, central banks surprised markets by hiking rates by 25 basis points. I guess 
the RBA was actually the second consecutive surprise rate hike. They did a similar uh, move in May as well. Um, and, you know, if we look at the increase in minimum wages that's just been um, put in place, so that 5.75% increase, that obviously complicates the central bank's fight against uh, already sticky inflation. So now it did help support the Aussie extend its recent rally um, after a bottoming out in late May. But we see elevated odds of a near-term consolidation in the Aussie dollar with resistance at uh, 66.90 and then 67.65 against the US dollar. In terms of Canada, strong GDP data, a tight labour market and stalling disinflationary pressures meant the Bank of Canada really did want to push up rates and actually keep the door open, probably more importantly, for future rate hikes as well. Now, higher oil prices and and near-term hawkish sentiment could push uh, dollar Canadian uh, Canada Canadian dollar lower, so obviously that's an appreciation of the Canadian dollar against the US. Uh, we see one thirty two sixty as key support, and actually, um, given the move we've already seen, we'd look for opportunities to go long dollar Canadian. So actually, look for a weaker Canadian dollar, uh, given the pair's move is starting to look overstretched on technical indicators. Now, obviously, as we move into the next week, we switch from looking at the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of Australia uh, to the U.S. Fed's meeting. Uh, and now, obviously, that's another thing to be really focused on. Our central scenario is uh, that there's no hike and we see a, a pause in the rate hiking cycle. But if there is a, a hawkish surprise, that could push the dollar index above 104.70, uh, which obviously would you know, be more challenging uh, for further gains for the Australian dollar and Canadian dollar going forward. All right. Um, I think we'll bring this today's podcast to a close there. Uh, I think that's all the time we have today. But before we do that, maybe just to sum up what I took away um, as the most important points from today's conversation. Uh, first, while the melt up in developed market equities can continue in the short run, uh, it's not a market that we would be chasing higher. Um, second is when it comes to Jap- the Japanese equity market party, we believe it's still not too late to join. Um, and the third, of course, is that policy clearly still matters. Um, and that's something, you know, we should keep in mind as we focus on the Fed meeting, uh, you know, in, in the week ahead. So thank you, Steve, uh, for joining us today. Um, and thank you, listeners, uh, for joining us on today's podcast. Um, and uh, as always, we wish you a, a good weekend ahead. And we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.